So have you used one of those exclusive dating apps? I heard about the league a couple years ago and I wanted to join, but then the wait list was like really long and I was like, no, thank you. And I thought it would be like the super pretentious thing where it was like really smart and beautiful people. But then when I got onto the app and then when I got invited to these like events, I realized they're very smart people, maybe not objectively attractive. I think the founders want them to be elitist, but if you people on your app aren't visually appealing, I'm not really sure if you can be an elitist. Hello, and welcome to Why'd You Push That Button, a show where Caitlin Tiffany, Hello, and Ashley Carmen, that's me, talk about all the decisions technology forces us to make. Today is a sad day, everyone. It is sad. Even though I don't sound that sad, it is sad. Uh, it is our season finale. I figured we're going out on a strong note. This is this is right in our subject area, our favorite thing to talk about. Girl Dating talk. apps. Uh. Girl talk, yeah. <laughs> dating apps. The question is, why do you use an exclusive dating app? What is an exclusive dating app? So, as you all know, there's many dating apps in this world. There's a dating app for everyone and everything and every interest area you could possibly imagine. The classic example is there's a dating app specifically for farmers. There are also dating apps that have now differentiated themselves by being elite or exclusive. The popular ones that come to mind are The League, which mm-hmm. differentiates itself by being for people who have college educations, seemingly. And jobs. You have to apply using your LinkedIn, correct? Yeah. Then there's Raya, which is even more exclusive. Exclusive and is for the creative class, and you have to apply using your Instagram. And then actually Tinder, unclear if this still exists. It was mentioned in a TechCrunch article once, and no one has ever told me if it's real, <laughs> has a service called Select that is also exclusive. Basically, oh. the common denominator among all of these apps is that you have to apply or be chosen to be on the app. Regular plebes like me and Caitlin probably won't be accepted or included. So this is a choice that you aren't necessarily forced to make, I guess. Well, I think it's a choice you're forced to make in that if you are a young person looking for love, pretty much you are going to use a dating app. Almost nobody that I know has any time to stand around in bars waiting for someone dreamy to walk by. So you are forced to make a a choice about what dating app you're going to to use. That's true. That's totally true. So Tinder, for those who are unacquainted, basically in my mind is like the fire hydrant of dating apps. Like you pull off the cap and it's like of like people. Like you're just like, oh my God. Like every person just comes at you. It's like, whoa. Whereas these apps are sort of promising like we've culled the herd We've mm-hmm. picked the best of the best. We know what you like. Yes. You're creative. You have a job. <laughs> you want someone who's creative with a job. We have those people for you. Okay. So the question that we're trying to answer today is like, why do you decide that you need yes. or want an exclusive dating app instead of something like Tinder that's everyone or even like Hinge, which is people like self-selecting as, as looking for something more serious, but like you still don't have to apply to be on it. Totally, for sure. So that is what we're wondering today. And now I need to know, Caitlin, I know you have a man's in your life. Yeah. But did you ever apply to the leak or Raya or I don't know, some other dating app I've never heard of? Okay. No, here's my dating app history. I stand for Tinder, which I know is gross because it's like, whatever, Match Group is huge and it doesn't really need my help. But I do not see a reason to be on any other app other than the one where the most people are. 
I briefly downloaded Hinge and like swiped for like 10 minutes and got to somebody that I had already been on several dates with on Tinder and was so mortified that I threw my phone under my futon. Exclusive dating apps are really interesting to me though. I mean, Raya is like kind of a, you know, that's that's one thing. It's like for celebrities and rich people pretty explicitly. I don't find it as interesting as something like The League where it's like, I am aware that I'm not a famous movie star and I'm not like a genius artist, but I also think I am slightly better than most people. So I need to be in a somewhat exclusive dating app. That is the choice that's interesting to me. Like, how do you arrive at that conclusion? Yeah, like I can understand why Zac Efron wants to be with other Zac Efrons of the world. I cannot understand (laughs) why my friend who does PR for a media company is like, I am a league worthy. Mm Mm-hmm. It is strange, I will admit. (laughs) And just so everyone knows, the league is like exclusive, but you can get on the league. I mean, I don't know. I haven't tried. My friend Sam was on the league for a period of time, and I'm pretty sure his only credential was that he had graduated from Cornell. Like, he didn't have a job at the time. Yeah. They were just like, oh, this this guy looks like he could have earning potential someday. You know, we believe it's a in little, you, Sam. It's a little elitist. <laughs> yeah, it's sure. Little, I mean, it's I don't like know. a little whisper there. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, do you use exclusive dating apps, Ashley? Okay, so for this podcast, when mm-hmm. we were like, huh, we're going to do this episode, as the token single person on this show, I was like, you know what, Caitlin? Allow me. So I downloaded <laughs> Raya and applied, which involved, okay, as a former cybersecurity reporter, you know, I'm paranoid about my data and all that. Mm-hmm. I could not believe the audacity of this app. It wanted my name, my location, <laughs> my job, my Instagram, my hometown, my quote unquote industry. It wanted me to turn on push notifications and also obviously just like access to my phone because it's on my phone. Mm-hmm. All right. This is a lot of stuff. I was like, fine for the podcast. I will do this. Then the app is like, OK, great. Can we also have access to your phone contacts? We have to verify that you actually know other Raya users slash famous people. Wow. And that's where I drew the line. I was like, I value my friendships. I value my friend's data. I am not giving Raya access to all of my phone numbers of every human I've ever met in my entire life. So when I said no, it said, you know, very few people get accepted to Raya without giving us access to their phone book. Oh, my God. And I was like, you can't trick me, Raya. I don't even want to be here anyway. So I said, sorry, no. And guess what? I got rejected from Raya. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry that you had to do that as the token single person. (laughs) So, Raya, Caitlin's never been on it. I've never been on it. I don't know anyone personally who's ever been on it. So I thought for this episode I would try to hunt down a real Raya user. So her name is Lena. I met her on Twitter. She recently flew to Mexico to hang out and work on a creative project. So, you know, exactly the type of person that Raya wants to target. I was just like, I need to do all the things I want to do before I get another office job, which hopefully isn't for like a while. Now, even though she's on Raya, she wants to be very clear that she will never be on the league. Because I feel like the league is about like financial and like socioeconomic class in a way that you're like born into. And then Raya, which is whack in plenty of its own ways, is like a little bit more of like self-made class and aesthetic, though the way you look is something you can't really control to that much of a degree. So it's also shallow and lame. Lena's single and has been on Raya for four months. She got on the app through a friend who gave her the recommendation through a feature called Friend Pass. 
It doesn't guarantee that they get on, but I think it's like more likely. And so he gave me his, which I was thankful for, but kind of weirded out because I kind of thought he wanted to date me and therefore wouldn't have wanted me to be on Raya. So I used it. And then like within like 48 hours, I got accepted and then I started using it. Raya isn't free though, y'all. She has to shell out to mingle with the creative elites right from the onset. $8 a month, but I am still paying because the scam has worked on me. And now I feel like if I delete it, I'll never get back on and maybe I should give it a shot. Selena explained that Raya, this elite exclusive rare app, shows you photo montages set to music. Yes, this exclusive app that rejected me relies on basically one of those Apple photo montages as profiles. I'm horrified. So like when you go to someone's profile, mine says like Lena, 28, Los Angeles, and there's a play button on top of my primary photo. Then you click the play button and it starts my slideshow, which is, you know, like a Ken Burns style video montage of photos that I've selected. Are you ready for the next part? You have to pick a song. And then if you scroll down a little bit, there's a bio and then it says the name of the song and like a little text bio and everyone's Instagram has to be linked. What's really strange is that you can't filter people by location, which is the most basic dating app feature ever. I think it just assumes everyone is just like some sort of like jet setter. So you get people from all over the world and you can't create like a location range. I don't know. I really want a boyfriend. Now I know we're all here for the celebrity talk, not just boring UI stuff. Alina says yes. She has seen a bona fide celebrity on Raya. Mostly like C or lower list. Okay, the two funniest ones that I've seen, which are funny to me, one of them was Riff Raff, and then I saw Tayo Cruz, that sort of like pop R&B singer. She even told me an incredible story about seeing an extremely minor celebrity, but who to some might have been a major catch. I specifically remember watching the Academy Awards like whatever, two years ago and thinking that the composer from La La Land was hot and he was like so young and I was like, oh, everyone that worked on this is so young and cute. And then I saw him and I was like so excited thinking he was going to match with me and he didn't. And I was like deeply heartbroken by it because I like already had developed like a whole fantasy life with him immediately after seeing his slideshow. There are a lot of vague job titles floating around the app. Fake streetwear clothing brand owners, music video directors who are just like rich or like people in front of private jets or like people with tigers in Dubai, like all of that shit is like rampant. Lena doesn't really make Raya sound like a dream. She says it's fun to look at people, but no one actually talks to each other, which is lame if you actually want to date a creative elite. My match rate is very high, but no one will message me. So then I'll message them. And then like the response rate of them messaging me back is like maybe 5%. It seems like either no one's down for me, which seems a little bit harsh. Like maybe the accounts are inactive. Maybe everyone's just on it like to see who they see or like for like the kind of social clout cosign. It really doesn't seem like people are out here trying to meet up because like on the other apps, almost to a fault, I think people are trying to meet up like immediately. Although I will say one of her friends did manage to find love on the app. My friend Bryn in New York, met her boyfriend on Raya, I think, and they're still dating. I think they maybe even live together. And then this other girl who's my internet friend, Summer, I think also met her boyfriend on Raya. So it is happening for some people, but these were all like over one or two years ago. So I do think the app has changed. Lena's conflicted about the app and its goals. She's kind of finds the idea of exclusive apps icky, but also 
she's on one and paying for it. I do think I am probably better suited to date someone in a creative field because of compatibility and also mostly because of lifestyle. Like, as you know, I'm like living abroad, working remote. I would love to be with someone that like has the ability to do similar things. But I also think it's kind of gross if people are on there trying to date like only hot, rich, famous people. Also, I'm like totally open to dating a rich person. So what? I guess I'm just full of shit. I don't know. <laughs> Lena is very kind for speaking with us today, Caitlin, because she thinks <laughs> she might get kicked off the app for doing so. Raya is really insane about their security and secretiveness. They're probably going to kick me off because if you screenshot, you get kicked off. So this is like the ultimate screenshot, but I don't really care. So thank you, Lena, for teaching us plebs about Raya. I hope you find love. In my mind, I had built Raya up as like, wow, like it must have the best tech. It must be just like the most inventive interface I've ever seen in my life. I still, I'm sorry, I cannot believe that it is photo montages set to music. I actually really love that and I'm going to make you one. Okay, if you can get approved for Raya, please do make your profile okay, just actually me. I was thinking while we were talking that I do have like some number of famous people saved in my phone because I always save phone numbers when I do interviews just because I'm like a freak and I'm like hoarding famous people. Although I, I don't think it would be very like ethical of me to use them to get into Raya. Wow, we should see if Caitlin gets accepted. Anyway. Yeah, who, um, did, who did you talk to, Caitlin? <laughs> did you talk to another Raya user? Oh, this is a good one. I spoke to Paul, a friend of mine who I met on Tinder, who has used almost every dating app you can think of. He's kind of a dating app expert. He did get into the league, but like Ashley, was rejected from Raya. And I would say that he was pretty hesitant to discuss it. I don't think I'm positive that I didn't have like a dream of dating a celebrity. You know, maybe I would just slip in under the Raya wire and you know, and I'd get access to this exclusive land of cool singles. So as Ashley experienced, Raya does not outright reject people because it likes to string you along with a little hope. The brilliant minds at Raya refer to it as a waitlisting. Uh, now, I haven't spoken to that many other applicants, so I don't know whether this is something I should be proud of, like I had a deferred admission, or whether or not I was just rejected in a swanky way, which seems to me like it's probably the case. It's clean design, nice rejection letter, like the way it looks. So Paul works in comedy and he makes videos and movies and stuff and has met a lot of celebrities, knows a lot of celebrities, is constantly telling me stories about his close personal friends who are celebrities. So I was a little bit surprised that he got rejected. I loiter around lower Manhattan a lot of my life and so I just see a lot of celebrities. It's become this bit where I like and pretending to brag to you about it. Specifically, I think because of maybe your obsession with Jake Gyllenhaal. Paul was a little bit reticent, but I tried to get him to explain why he wanted to be on Raya in the first place. I had heard a couple of stories about people having a good experience on it. So I don't know, I just, at that time I was on a lot of apps. So it was just another app to want to be on. You know, there's the fantasy as a creative to meet someone who's like your romantic partner and your creative partner. Like that was definitely more of the wavelength than like, I'm going to be, next week I'm going to be in a limo and we're going to be going to a club in Midtown. As it turns out, Paul met his current girlfriend twice in two different apps, which I guess deflates my theory that everyone only needs Tinder. I met my girlfriend on Coffee Meets Bagel, and we exchanged numbers, and we didn't meet up because I, like, set it up last minute and she wasn't available and I just like didn't reschedule and then we met on the league like three months after or four months after and I had like recognized her from 
having matched her. And then we just texted and I was like, hey, we matched on another app. Do you want to go out on a date? Ultimately, I guess what I learned from Paul is that love is a numbers game. And also, if you use an exclusive dating app, you will be very resistant to answering questions about why. I don't know whether you're being sarcastic or not, but I imagine you are. So thank you. Okay, so Lena didn't find love, but Paul did. So this is where I think exclusive dating apps are acceptable, is when you're using them as a part of a complicated strategy to pinpoint your ideal match. Because Paul met his girlfriend in Coffee Meets Bagel and then met her again in the league. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's like I'm picturing like beautiful mind, like writing on the windows type of strategy to find love. (laughs) You have to really be trying. This is what I'm saying. So people who are using exclusive dating apps just because they're too lazy to swipe. It's like you're not trying. You don't want love enough. That's how I feel. Yeah, I think that's kind of where Lena came down was that. I think she just went on Mariah. She was like, why not? Like, she genuinely, she even said, she's like, I want a boyfriend. (laughs) And I'm like, I get it, girl. She went on Mariah because she's like, well, I am in a creative field. It'd be cool to date someone else in a creative field. And like, yeah, if they're rich and hot, like, sick, sign me up. Mm -hmm. But she is discovering that, like, an exclusive dating app, like any other dating app, is a dating app. And, like, people on dating apps suck. A lot of them (laughs) do. Like, it's just the facts. So what we keep kind of coming back to, though, is, like, the elitism question. Yeah. So I think maybe to address that, we should go talk to an expert. Yeah. Someone who sees the way the sausage gets made because she makes it. Of course, we have the CEO of the league, Amanda Bradford, here in the studio to talk to us. She's going to tell us why she made the app and how she chooses who gets to be on it. She's also going to tell us if it's elitist. We'll be back after the break. Okay, so we are back with Amanda Bradford, CEO of The League. Hello. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Of course. So to maybe start things off, we have talked about The League on the episode, but maybe you can just kind of give us like the amended history here, just like when you started it, where you're based, what The League's mission actually is for people who have not a clear idea of it, things like I that. especially want to know where the name came from. The name is controversial. <laughs> um, so I started it at the very end of 2014. We launched in San Francisco to about 419 people. I had just graduated business school and was out of a five-and-a-half-year relationship, and this was my first time jumping into the dating scene, and I didn't like it. So I decided to build my own dating scene, I guess. So we launched in San Francisco and then ended up raising some funding, rebuilt the whole app in the next year, and then launched in New York as our second market in early, kind of like May 2015. So we have been around for, I guess, a little over three years. And the whole kind of mission of the league was to create power couples. So I wanted uh, to build a community where people were ambitious, career-oriented. They liked that about each other. Um, They wanted to date someone with those traits that were driven. I don't like to use the word elite or successful because I think there's a lot of stigma associated to that. But to really date someone that kind of shared that same value. Sometimes I joke and say it's an app for workaholics. But um, at the end of the day, it's, you know, people that are really serious about their career and really want to make some kind of impact on the world. So for you, career was the most important, I guess, aspect of dating, like in a potential partner? I don't want to say it's the most important, but I, I wanted to 
to play more than just hot or not. <laughs> I felt like with a lot of the dating apps out there, it was like you saw their face and you swiped right or left, and then you had to ask all these vetting questions. And it was, I would get really clever at how to ask questions without being super straightforward and being like, so do you, I saw you live in the financial district. Does that mean you're working in finance? <laughs> and in an effort to just kind of get a better picture of what someone was like. And then I also resorted to stalking them on LinkedIn. And I'd be like, oh, he had a picture of Duke on one of photo five and he's a lawyer and his name was Ben. So I'm Googling Ben, Duke, oh, yeah. okay. lawyer. <laughs> um, We've been there. That is dangerous. <laughs> but yeah. And I think that you can see a little bit more about what the person's about. I mean, what career did they decide to, to dedicate their their livelihood to? What school did they go to? What did they study in school? I mean, with LinkedIn, you can even see what extracurricular activities they were in, what whether they played a sport. I mean, it's just a much fuller picture of someone than just like age, name, and are you hot or not? Okay, the league has like a proprietary screening system, correct? Good, good use of that. <laughs> sure. You're right on message. <laughs> so, I mean, are you mostly just taking into account people's LinkedIn information or like how are you determining who gets to be let into the app? So we use both Facebook and LinkedIn. So we actually are the only ones that have double authentication. So we require Facebook, then LinkedIn, then we put everyone into a waiting list. So it's similar to like a college admissions pool. Everyone goes to a waiting list, and then we try to bring people in that have clearly spent some time on their profile. So have put together, you know, have filled out all the fields, have actually looked like they invested more time than just kind of clicking a button. Um, and then we try to make sure that the community is diverse. So similar to like your college admission system, you don't want everyone to be studying history or everyone to be a music major. You want to make sure everyone has, you know, bringing different things to the table. So we try to make sure people's education backgrounds are different, their profession industries are different. Um, and the idea is like, then we bring people into the community, but it's balanced and we try to keep all the ratios somewhat balanced and reflective of the community that they're in. Are you kind of qualifying jobs? Like you're like, this is a real job and this is a not real job. I wouldn't call it qualifying jobs. I would say we're, think of it like an application you're putting together. And yes, job and education is a very big factor in the application. I mean, those are similar to when you're applying to, to school, right? Your GPA and the grades you made and the scores you got on your AP test are, are important, but it's not necessarily everything, right? And so I think what we're trying to do is less about say, okay, these jobs are great, these jobs aren't, and more, hey, this person really wants to be there. They put together a really strong application. They're waiting patiently to get in, and they've like checked in, and they're not just trying to um, kind of check out the talent and sort of see what's, you know, see what's floating by. They're not trying to kick tires, I guess, is is way we try to qualify it. And you can you can really tell, honestly, by what kind of effort people put into the application. We actually can see how long people spend on it, if they check back and change their photos, if they don't, if they just keep the ones at Facebook defaults. There's a lot of signals in the data that tells yeah, you if someone's are... really looking kind of for a relationship and really wants to be there. What is the application process? Well, we tried to make it really quick because I know everybody hates uh, kind of long experiences, especially when you're not even sure about joining a dating app. The last thing you want to do is like fill out 100 questions like on eHarmony. Um, so we pull everything from Facebook and LinkedIn. We let you put in a little bit about um, your basic demographic information, who you're looking for at a very basic level. And then we let you put in your interests and we let you kind of edit your profile to make it stand out if you'd like and put in an about me. Um, and then we put you on a wait list and we can see, you know, who's checking back in, who's referring friends, who's actually kind of checking out the app and figuring out how it all works. And we use all of that information to kind of predict who's going to be a good user in the system. So as far as demographics, I know like there's been a little bit of discussion around like, does this encourage classism? Because like almost 100% of the user base 
has like a college degree and sure. like does it encourage racism because you have to say your ethnicity? Like how do you respond to that and like how does your algorithm respond to that? Yeah, so we don't try to tell anyone who to be like what kind of people they should be attracted to or how they should search to find their partner. So I like to say we're a search platform and we let people be as picky as they want to be or as not picky. And you'd be surprised. Most people who actually join the app are are pretty open-minded in their preferences. We do let people say what ethnicity they're interested in, um, what religion they're interested in. I mean, we used to not have religion. And then I remember we have about 25% Jewish people on the league. And they, you know, the number one feature request from all of them was like, let me filter on religious views. So, you know, we added that because we're not here to say, hey, you guys, can't choose to to match with other Jewish people, and we're not going to make them have to spend, you know, 5x more time searching through people that don't fit their preferences rather than just serving up the, the people that, that match perfectly, right? So I think um, we're seeing a, a huge spike in interracial marriages, and, and the reason that is is because you tend to be kind of the average of the seven people you hang out with, right? So if all the people in your town, your small town, let's say, are white, and they're all referring you friends to go on dates with that are white, it's very high likelihood that you might match and marry some someone who is who is white in that case, right? But if you're um, if instead of going to your community center or your group of friends or your church or whatever, you're actually going to this sort of melting pot of sorts and getting to say, hey, I'm open-minded, send me whoever. So people are starting to pair up outside of kind of what would be natural in their community. And so that's what we see too, is that people join and um, yes, like lawyers tend to date lawyers and people that with certain religious views tend to match up. But there's also a lot of lot of people that are open minded more often than not and are matching with people of all sorts of kind of different backgrounds. But like why, I guess, specifically from like a basic tech level, sure. would I want to have to filter people by race instead of just swiping and like, you know. Um, well, efficiency, right? So let's say you're you're Indian and you really want to marry another Indian and that's something that's very important in your culture and your parents really want you to, you want to, um, rather than if we didn't have that, you'd have to maybe be on the app 100 days to kind of go through all the Indian men in New York, whereas now you're going to go through them in, in 30 days, right? And then essentially we're giving you your search results front-loaded and then we, we, we obviously relax it. Like once we're out of six foot one Indian men, we might show you five foot 11 Indian men and then five foot 10. And then we're, we, we relax um, race as well. So we'll start to show you other races and other religions. But we, we try to show you exactly what you want first so that we're in the business of kind of giving giving people what they're looking for and not trying to play big brother and say, no, you should not be searching for that. I think I've seen like elsewhere that you've kind of explained maybe that like other apps algorithms like can possibly encourage racism because like non-white users get swiped left more often and then pushed down in the ranking. Is that accurate? Am I explaining this well? Well, there's, so yeah, there's a lot of data on online dating and yeah, certain races tend to perform at, at different levels depending on who you're serving them to. So actually if you're serving people, what we do is we do what's called double preferences. So in this, in the case, I guess the best way to describe it, I always use height as a, as the example, but let's say you're a six foot woman and a five foot man and the five foot man is open to, to women of all heights, but the six foot woman is only open to men five, 10 and above. We're not going to show that six foot woman to the five foot man even though he she fits his preferences because he doesn't fit hers. So what we do is we try to accommodate both people's preferences and only show you people that actually you have a really good chance of matching, whereas a lot of the other apps will just show you to everybody, right? And then you might get swipe left, swipe, swiped left, swiped left <laughs> on more often because 
the app is showing you to people that already said, hey, I don't want this kind of person, right? So whereas we try to only show you to the people that are already open to you. So actually your like league score is what we call it is is higher in, in our world because we're kind of already curating who we're going to show your profile to. So from like a business perspective, because like Raya, for example, seemingly turns away a lot of people. I'm curious about the league. I mean, you seem to be filtering out people, but at the same time, like isn't there a business incentive to get more people on the app? One, just to have more people to offer, and also, two, to make more money off them. Totally. I mean, I think the in any marketplace, you need supply, right? And you need inventory or however you want to call it. <laughs> um, so, so you always want to be increasing kind of that applicant pool. We're always saying we want, you know, you're only as good as your wait list in the sense that if we can't get people to apply to the league, we can't be selective. And what we do is we really try to help people get their profiles ready. So it's less about, oh, you're rejected, you're accepted. It's like, hey, these people are obviously accepted because they put together a really good application. These people need a little bit of work and we'll actually coach them. We have a whole team of concierges that will say, hey, have you thought about getting higher resolution photos, which is a huge deal. Or with guys, guys don't even have any photos like without sun glasses. So like, hey, have you thought about... Sunglasses are my personal pet peeve. Yeah, like using portrait mode with your friend and going out for a day and um, taking four or five photos. So we'll actually try to coach them. And so we're like less, I like to say we're we're not really exclusive. We're just kind of picky about who we select quickly. And then the ones that don't get in quickly, we try to do as much as we can to, to get them to a point where we think they'll be you know, ha- have a good acceptance rate. Because at the end of the day, if you br- bring in someone that everybody rejects, they're not going to have a good experience. They're not going to spend money. They're not going to get matches. So it's in kind of both of our best interests to help get their profile up to a minimum level of quality before bringing them in. So you don't care if they're hot or not? No, it's, I mean, think about the market for hot people. That's like most people I know are not classically hot, right? <laughs> so I think that, um, you know, maybe Raya does that based on, you know, they have yeah. to be a nine out of nine or 10. But I think for us, it's about, you know, can you, can you always say, are you, can you look, uh, are you good enough to good, good looking in black or white photos? <laughs> it's sort of the, it's all about the shadows. Say. But yeah, no, I wouldn't say it's, it's good looking. It's like, we want smart, ambitious, driven people that know how to put themselves together. So if you do get rejected from the league, like, how do you find out? What is that? look like? And can you try again? <laughs> so we copied Soho House and we don't actually reject anyone. Uh, we just keep you on the waiting list. That's and what Raya does too. We try to encourage you know you to make some changes into your profile. Like, hey, pictures one through three could use some help. Do you have photos without your sunglasses? Like the same, same thing I was saying. So we don't really reject. And we also just, you know, it also depends on supply demand. So we actually look at the market dynamics. And so let's say a lot of people are looking for a certain type of guy, and then he happens to come on the wait list, he might get in right away. And maybe no one's looking for this other type of guy, but then all of a sudden we bring in more people that are, and then all of a sudden he becomes more in demand, right? So there's sort of like a demand score for everybody. And if if you're kind of a, in high demand, you might get in faster than if you're in lower demand. Whoa. I have so many questions. That just sounded like <laughs> Buffalo Exchange. Whenever they, like, give me that talk when I bring my clothes in and they're like, yeah, sorry, we're Plaid's not out this season. <laughs> Try again in three years when Plaid is back. Well, I guess my point is as the community grows and changes as it gets bigger, it becomes almost, like, a little easier to get in in the sense that you always want to make sure that there's people people in the community that will like the person that they'll like. And so if there's no guys in our community that you like, we shouldn't bring you in. But if all of a sudden I have, you know, a hundred of them, now I should bring you in, right? So it's like I want to keep you uh, outside of the club until I have 
the kind of men what you're looking for. What kind of crazy for. exclusive metrics could someone have <laughs> that there's no one on the app that matches them? <laughs> well, you're in the, like, you guys are in kind of the middle of the bell curve, but, like, take age, for instance. We had a 74-year-old lesbian join, and we had to keep her on the wait list for a really long time because she wasn't going to have a good experience in the app until we had enough people that, you know, we felt like ethically it was good to kind of bring her in and potentially have her pay to, to be a member, right? To go back, I'm just curious about the psychology of a wait list versus a rejection? Like, why go that route? I think that my hope is we can coach a lot of these people into figuring out what's wrong with their profile and improving it. So I think rejection gives you a really negative feeling about a brand and you're like, oh, they didn't want me versus saying, hey, it's not you, it's me. It's just not right now. And, you know, maybe later once I've sowed my wild oats, that kind of thing. So it's just, I think it's a messaging that's like more palatable. Do you have an estimate of like what percentage of people like get waitlisted and then make changes and then later get in? Well, our acceptance rate in general hovers around like 20 to 30 percent based on the city. And then of the people that don't get in that original 20 or 30 percent, I mean, a lot of people don't come back and make changes. It's sort of like, you know, humans, (laughs) like humans are lazy inherently. And so the fact that they even went through the application process, they probably didn't even update their photos. And now they're not getting in. They're probably just said, you know, fuck it, delete the app. So a lot of, you know, a lot of people weren't really there for the right reasons anyway. So I like to say a lot of the people that we don't accept were probably not the right fit anyway. So to just be totally clear, why do you think people want to use a more exclusive, filtered, whatever word you want to use, app? Well, I think choice is overwhelming, at least in my mind, like going to Cheesecake Factory and looking at that menu, like my anxiety levels skyrocket versus going to like, you know, an awesome restaurant where there's three or four entrees, you know, they're all like amazing. So (laughs) I, I think that people want help making decisions also. So it's, you know, if we're saying, hey, we stand behind this person, they have a good application, we show who their mutual friends are, you can see the basically their LinkedIn profile, you can see their photos, you feel a lot more, I, I think, safer and also, like, you know the person a lot more. So you're more likely to actually go exchange numbers and meet up because it feels like it's a smaller kind of close-knit community. You know, I think that's that's a big part of it. And I also think people like that they won't see their coworkers or their friends. Like, we make sure that we use LinkedIn so that you don't have to see your boss on a dating app. I've, I've had that experience myself seeing a coworker on Tinder, and it's not something I feel I need to keep doing. To return to, like, a little bit of the stickier stuff, I think probably, like, the obvious issue that most people have with exclusive dating apps is that it's, like, you're allowing people to curate based on class and to curate based on race and, like, maybe, like, affirming those as, like, valid ways to sort people? I wouldn't say class. I would say, I mean, yeah, ethnicity is one of our filters, but class isn't. I don't know how you, I mean, I guess if you're assuming everyone who has a college degree is of a certain class, um, but I don't know if I would go that far. I think there's a lot of people with college degrees in the United States, so that would be, like, a very large class of people. Sure. I mean, like, I guess in general, just like the basic idea of like self-selecting into a dating app that's only for people who are like successful and ambitious and like the way that we've defined that in American culture has traditionally been with money. Or accomplishments. Yeah. Um, like yeah, graduating like, college or getting a job at a company people have heard of. Right. Yeah. Sure. So like, I guess like, obviously that's not like what you are intending to do. So I'm, I'm curious, like, how you guys think about that and, like, discuss that as, like, something that you're not trying to 
put forth, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at the data of just marriages, that's already happening today, right? So technology and platforms like ours aren't really changing behavior. We're actually creating a platform for people to do what they were doing anyway more efficiently, right? When you went to a dinner party with your friends and you met your boyfriend there, that was essentially a sort of mating. When you met someone at Google and then you started dating, that's essentially a sort of mating, right? So Mm -hmm. this is already happening. Work and school are the two most popular ways to meet someone. Now dating apps are coming up to number three. So I'd actually argue that dating apps are kind of the least elitist in the sense of you're kind of going much further outside of your primary network that you're already dating from, right? So if you Mm -hmm. actually compare it to what was happening prior to dating apps, maybe we're a little bit closer than, I don't know, going to an app that you just swipe on millions of people in New York City. We're letting you kind of stay closer to the dinner party type of atmosphere, but we're still much further kind of to the right. For you, if new apps came on the market, like where do you see the line being drawn? Like if they were just like, we are only going to cater to Ivy League people. Like to you, would that be classism? Or like Raya, where it's like only cool, hot creatives. I mean, it's just basically drawing lines around groups of people, right? So people that value, I always say the league is people that value education really highly. I mean, that's why people who went to highly selective universities tend to want to pair up with other people that went to highly selective universities. That isn't, the league didn't create that desire. The league is sort of serving that desire. You talk to any girl that graduates Harvard Business School and she'd prefer to to date someone that also went to a school that she's heard of and that the reason she wants that is not because she thinks you're smarter that you went there. She thinks that means you value education and she wants to build a family with someone that values education if you actually kind of do the whole focus group and survey and try to understand why this is happening. And it comes down into family values. You want to be with someone that that values education. So I think in the case of Raya, C-list celebrities, they want to maybe, you know, create a partnership with someone that values Instagram followers and and beautiful photos. And maybe (laughs) they can go take photos together and that's going to be their family dynamic. But I, you know, I don't think it's for us to kind of, or, you know, to judge like, let's say two gym rats want to go together and they want to join the like gym you know super buff community of people or the 420 people they want to all go smoke pot together I guess I don't see it's think it's for us to judge like how people want to kind of self-segregate to to for someone they're going to spend the rest of their life with I mean that's a huge decision so I mean whatever you need to do to even be happy with someone for the rest of your life and whatever kind of lines you need to draw that is going to cause you to have a partnership that is ultimately to keep make you happy I guess I don't see why we need to judge people for who they select. Okay, I want to thank Amanda for coming on the show because I feel like she, it was cool to talk to her and hear her insight and obviously Caitlin and I, we had some questions, got a little little tense. And at this point, you know, coming full circle, I obviously don't want to judge people who use these apps because whatever, it's your life, do what you want. Find love. Yes. But I do find the premise of the league at this point to be pretty strange in the sense of she talked a lot about how they sort of choose people based off of their college background and sort of their jobs, it seems like. And I get it in the sense of that I have a job. It would be cool to date someone else who has a job. (laughs) It just seems responsible fiscally to date someone with a job. But 
that said, my most recent boyfriend uh, didn't go to college. And it's just funny because if I was on the league, I would not have ever seen him. He would he probably would not be accepted, I guess. And obviously, I think he's a great person. So it's a weird feeling for me to think about it like that. Also, I think she kind of danced around the fact that, like, she kept saying, you know, like, it's not elitist. It's just like you want somebody whose life is put together. But the way that the league frames itself in its marketing is very, like, you'll never have to guess if this Harvard hottie is for real because we researched him for you. And, like, you know, like, people in formal wear in all of the photos. Like, that is, you know, very clearly what they're selling. Yeah. So she kind of got into this idea of, well, people self-select already. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you brought up the race filters and how you can kind of say you prefer white people or whatever else. And Amanda kind of said, well, people already do that. It's just so tough because I, first of all, when it comes to religion, for example, like I'm Jewish using J swipe, I can totally understand why it's like you want to date someone else who's Jewish. I think what the difference is here is that if you wanted to join J swipe, Caitlin, you mm-hmm. could like it, J swipe wouldn't be like, who's your mother? <laughs> <laughs> it would be like, okay, cool. Like we're down, like whatever. I think the difference here is that the league is straight up being like, no, Well, you're not going to see these people ever. Yeah. Expelling them. Her justification was that in like Tinder, for example, which doesn't have that, like people are, you know, uh, still racist. So like people of color don't get as many right swipes and then they get downgraded in the algorithm. But it just seems to me like that would be something that would be very easy to correct for on the algorithm side instead of being like, here you go. You can filter people by race like that. It just doesn't seem... It is corrected for. Right. Like, for example, I use Hinge, and they have a feature called Most Compatible, Mm -hmm. where basically they they figure out who the most compatible person for you on the platform is at that time. And they figured it out. Like, I'm like, oh, cool. You fully know my type. This is scary as hell. But like your algorithm has figured it out. And I'm sure it's algorithm. But the algorithm probably knows better than me what my type is. And so mm-hmm. having someone else, someone say, I specifically don't like this type of person to me, is just like, whoa, like, why? Like, it's it'll come like, out in the data. Right. Like, I get what she is saying, but at the same time, it's like using an education and a resume as a stand-in for things like stability and maturity. It's like... Exactly. That's not... They are not equivalent. That's like a very weird way to sort people. Like, as you you mentioned, like, your relationship with, like, a very kind and decent human being who was, like, very, you know, reliable in certain ways. And for like, sure. Or you could match with, like, Patrick Bateman, who would look really good on paper and then would murder you with a chainsaw. But I do see why, like, individual people have legitimate reasons for using them. Like, Paul's an artist. He wanted to meet other artists. Like, that makes sense to me. Yeah. And, you know, you're dating someone who works in media. Mm-hmm. You like dating people in media. <laughs> Trivia about Caitlyn. But I didn't meet him in an exclusive dating app. I met no, him but I'm Tinder. saying like you sort of self-selected. That's true. Like I just did a drawn... lot of swipes. Exactly. I did, the, I did the work of all the swiping. But that's so the I deserve thing. Love Is more. she saying that you don't have to do those swipes? They're useless energy that you're expelling. I would not have met Frankie on the league. He would not have gotten on. No <laughs> offense to Frankie. He was not really very employed when we started dating. Yeah. All this goes to show <laughs> is maybe you know your type, but life can surprise you. And perhaps exclusive dating apps are filtering out people that might be the perfect match for you. I just feel like they're taking advantage of how how sad we all are. We're so full of despair. We will download anything. We will try anything. Maybe my soulmate is cordoned off from me and Raya. Yeah. Okay. We got to wrap this up. We've gone way too long. But 
I knew this would happen because this is like our power episode. Oh, we, we love this stuff. Power oh. couples. Yes. Like okay. the ones forged on the league. Well, we did it. We completed a full season. This was a heck of an episode. I have stress sweat. <laughs> Same. But it could be because I'm wearing a scarf. Final parting words for this season. First of all, thank you all for sticking with us for season three. We are going to be back for season four in the spring. I cannot give you any more concrete dates. Just take what I'm giving you and accept it and appreciate it. You can follow Caitlin on Twitter at K-A-I-T underscore Tiffany. You can follow me on Twitter at Ashley R. Carmen. We want to thank our producers, Andrew Marino, Bridget Armstrong, and Zach Mack. And as always, if ideas strike you, feel free to email us at button at the verge.com. I'm really going to need to fill out our topics list for next year. Yeah. I think so far we only have, like, periods. If you don't want to hear us talk about <laughs> periods for 12 episodes, email us at buttonattheverge.com. Okay, now You know bye. I can make it last one. <laughs> bye. <laughs>